Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our mission as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ, disciple people in Jesus Christ, and send people for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. We hope this episode encourages you in your walk with Jesus as you continue to grow in His love and truth. Now, let's join Pastor Bob as we study God's Word together. Happy New Year. Morning, church. Good to see you. You got a Bible handy? Grab it with me. We're going to do a, a, a little bit of an end times prophecy update this morning. Probably part one of a two-part series. There's just too much happening in the world for you to expect me to squeeze it all into um, to one Sunday morning. If you need a Bible, our ushers are, are uh, happy to serve you this morning. A couple places I'd love for you to find... Uh, One in the old, one in the new. Find the book of Habakkuk for me, if you would, please. Habakkuk chapter 2, and then Ephesians chapter 1. Habakkuk 2 and Ephesians 1. I've really been praying over this and uh, believe that it's a word from the Lord. It'll be a little bit different than most prophecy updates, because what I really want to talk with you about this morning is what's happening on the inside more than what's happening on the outside. I think a lot of times uh, we'll look at a prophecy end times update in terms of the external things that are happening in the world, and I'll get to that. I'll mention several of them, maybe even more next weekend from a political standpoint of what's happening in the world. Today's a little more personal. We're going to celebrate communion. We're going to talk about making sure that our hearts are right for whatever comes down the pike. I think the emphasis of priority should be placed on that. Even when, uh, when the boys bring their friend who's paralyzed to Jesus, where does the healing begin? Where's the healing start? It starts in his heart. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And, and the boys are sort of like, well, fine. Well, wait a minute. We've been, we've been hugging him along here, you know, and carrying him and tugging him and dragging him, you know, for blocks. We'd like to see his legs healed. And Jesus said, well, just so that you know I'm the Son of Man, rise up and walk. But the healing begins internally. And I think sometimes we can get all distracted and focused on the external and miss the main objective. The main point right now at the end of the age is whether or not your soul, your heart is ready for the Lord's return. And that's where I feel that the Lord's really put my uh, priority and emphasis this morning. I can even think of a passage there in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus actually says, this generation is looking for signs. Remember when he says that? He says, this generation's looking for signs and no sign is going to be given to them except one sign, the sign of Jonah. And so sometimes I think we at the end of the age here get all wrapped up in the signs and there's a lot happening In fact, what I truly probably should have said earlier is we'll do a two-part series if we're still here next weekend. (laughs) I mean, the things with Iran are uh, heating up. The things in Australia are burning down. The things surrounding Israel... Uh, There's a lot happening politically in the world, and uh, if we're still here, I'll share those things with you. We'll get to it, but let's not seek the signs at the expense of not seeking the Savior. There's something that matters more than what's happening externally around you, and that is the condition of our soul. And... um, I want to put this new year into some prophetic context for you. So grab your notes, grab something to write with. I mean, the events that are happening on the world stage are lining up sort of like if you've ever been up in the LA basin and you see the approach path for LAX, and sometimes you can just count it out, eight, nine, 10 planes all lined up, 12 planes. I think my record number, someone uh, you might have uh, 16 planes, especially in the evening, you know, when their landing lights are on, you can see 16 planes, you know, all the way from, from right there, you know, coming in on the final approach, all the, way, all the way out, you know, to like over Vegas. You see them all coming in, and that's what's happening in the events. They're all lined up 
And as much as we could focus on that, I believe that the Lord wants to absolutely make sure, and certainly as we celebrate communion this year, as we go into it together, that our heart is right, that our soul is prepared, that we're ready for the Lord's return. It's imminent. It could come any moment. And so that gives you enough time to find Habakkuk, right? (laughs) Stand with me, would you please, church? Let's stand just in the reverence and respect of the reading of God's Word that this new year for us will be built on the foundation of what will never pass away His Word. Amen? Amen. Habakkuk chapter 2. I will stand my watch. That's why I had you stand. You really can't sit reading this one. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. Okay, where's that? That's on the wall. You can't just cruise to get to the rampart. You got to climb to get to the rampart. You got to ascend. You got to go up some stairs. I will stand my watch and set myself on the, on the wall, on the rampart, and I will watch. I will look out. I will watch and see what he will say to me and, and what I will answer when I am corrected. And the Lord answered me and he said, write the vision and make it plain. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. In other words, more for us today than for Habakkuk back then. It's for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak. It will not lie. And though it tarries, Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it, church. Don't quit. Don't cruise. Don't get distracted. Wait for it. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will what? Surely come. It will not tarry. The vision. Write it down. Make it plain. Make it clear that people who see it will run after it. Wait for it, church. It's coming. It'll surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, verse 4, the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just. Come on, say it. But the just shall live by his faith. Amen. So how is that faith lived out? Turn to Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1, while you... Just remain standing for a moment. Look what Paul says as he writes to the church pertaining to this very same theme, this issue. How's this faith lived out? This vision now. Verse 15, Ephesians 1, verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I didn't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So very much an emphasis going into this year on prayer. That the Lord, that that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. I just I, I hope and pray as you're standing in the presence of the Lord, you'd be open to receiving this word, this word of knowledge, this prophetic word over your life, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. More of Him, church. More of Him this year. More of Him this decade. The spirit of wisdom to to know Him. uh, The revelation in the knowledge of Him. That your eyes, look at verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. And that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Lord, fill us 
Fill us. We are standing in your presence. We are open to a move of your spirit. Would you give us that spirit of wisdom? Would you open our eyes as we devote ourselves, Lord, to leaning in and receiving all that you have come to accomplish? Fill us to the brim, overflowing, pressed down, shaken together. Lord, would you protect Israel? Would you protect the United States of America? Would you be with our president? Would you give him wisdom, Lord? Would you, would you change the weather patterns in Australia that the fires would go out? We just lift up that land to you this morning, Lord. We pray for the people of Iran that are caught in the middle and just ask, Lord, that in these last days, nothing would dissuade us, nothing would distract us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Lord, you would stir our hearts and bless this time of study and communion in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Okay, so um, easy word for me to come up with for 2020. Super easy to give you a prophetic word, and the word is vision. 2020. Now, here's what's interesting about that. You could have, your vision could be 2080. That means you're, you're blind in one eye and, and good in the other. Your vision could be 2200. And you would still have vision, not all that good. 2020 is perfect vision. 2020 is the vision that God wants you to have going into this new year. And that's what he talks about in Habakkuk. That's what he backs the Habakkuk passage up with in, in Ephesians and says that your eyes, your vision of understanding would be opened and enlightened. Now, the number 20 is an interesting number. Uh, prophetically, we've done this just about every year where we've looked at the number, like in 2017, we looked at the number seven. In 2018, we looked at the number eight. If you missed that, it's online. 2019, we looked at the importance of the number nine. 20, what's the number 20, Bob? Throughout Scripture, the number 20 is a fascinating number. 20 is the number of fulfillment. It's not the number of perfection. That's seven. We learned that. But it is the number of, 20 is the number of fulfillment and redemption. And a couple of uh, different stories to back that up that you might be intrigued with. And you could sort of dig in and learn more about this number 20 as I have this week. Uh, when Solomon built the temple, and, and, and it's interesting here that Paul is referring to it in Ephesians chapter 1, he's sort of like, this is the name above all names. This is the God above all gods. And ultimately, you know, he comes to David and he's like, so where's the house you're going to build for me? Because heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. By the way, you're not going to be able to build that house for me because there's too much, what was the deal with David? I forgot. Someone help me. What's the deal? too much blood on his hand, so your son Solomon's going to build it. And the amount of time that it took Solomon to build the temple, anyone you want to guess, just throw out a number, 20 years. The number of fulfillment throughout Scripture, the number of fulfillment and redemption. In fact, in the tabernacle before Solomon builds the temple, the tabernacle that Moses would have constructed everywhere the cloud would stop, everywhere the flame that led them at night would stop, they would build the tabernacle. And the tabernacle, according to the Torah, was built with 20 panels. Down either side, 20 panels and 20 pillars, the number 20, the number of fulfillment and the number of redemption. Jacob, Jacob in serving that crafty Uncle Laban, Remember that story in the book of Genesis? And he's just working to get the love of his life. What's her name? Rachel, but he doesn't get Rachel. He wakes up and he lifts the veil and he's like, ah! <laughs> Talk about a honeymoon nightmare. It's Leah, the ugly daughter. Sorry, that's what scripture calls her. The ugly duckling. And he goes back to Laban and Laban's like, oh yeah, one thing forgot to tell you. The younger never gets married before the older, regardless of how ugly the older is. He's got to work another seven years to get the love of his life. And then beyond that, almost another seven years, it comes to a total in the book of Genesis, a total of how many years that Jacob and his family, before they're finally freed from the laborious 
work of Uncle Laban 20 years. It's 20 years that Jacob and his family have to endure before they're freed. Fascinating, the Ark of the Covenant is captured by the Philistines. And it would take before David celebrates in, 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 in dancing down the streets. Dancing in such a way that his wife, looking out the window, was annoyed by. like, oh! Uh, but it would take 20 years between the time that the Philistines stole the ark before David dances in the streets, rejoicing that the ark is back. 20 is the number of fulfillment. It's the number of redemption. A little less known story in Scripture is the story of Jabin. He's the king of the Canaanites. And it isn't until God raises up a prophetess, a very spirit-led woman of God named Deborah, a prophetess, who delivers Israel from the hand of this evil leader, the king of Canaan, Jabin, who had ruled over Israel until Deborah comes to set them free. They had been ruled how many years? 20 years under the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan. There are for you in the Bible that sits open on your lap this morning 20 dreams that are described, 20 visions in Scripture that are described, 20 names in the book of Hebrews that are given to the names and the titles of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. One that's fascinating to me where this number 20 is concerned is the story of Samson. And that seems fascinating also in the sense that there's a, there's a guy who loses his vision. You don't want to lose yours going into a new decade. Samson actually served as the judge over Israel. And in that role of serving as judge over Israel, in the midst of all of the riddles, in the midst of all of the hairdos, in the midst of all of the conniving that was going on, and ultimately the haircut, he served as the judge of Israel for 20 years and then loses his vision. How could we avoid the same from happening to us? What clouds our vision today? What would cloud the vision that God has for you and desiring for it to be 2020, prophetically going into this age, the end of the age, the last, if not all the last of decades, unless the Lord in His grace would tarry in his return, wanting none to perish. What would cloud your vision? Here, write this word down, fudge. Fudge clouds your vision. Fudge does, doesn't it? Do you eat too much fudge over the holidays? Fudge is sin. Because sin is always enticing. It looks good. It looks very pleasing to the eyes, right? But what's the saying? A moment on the lips. Yeah, that's sin. That's the consequence of fudge. Fudge will cloud your vision. Bob, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Jot this down. Here's your new favorite acrostic. What will cloud your vision this year, first of all, is fear. And that's why in Scripture, God says to me and to you 365 times, one for every single day of the year, don't be afraid. Bob, don't be afraid. Evil is on the loose, no question about it. If you've seen this new uh, mini-series that's coming out on Netflix, I would just urge you to avoid it at all costs, you and your children and your children's children. It's called Messiah. And incidentally, it's not about the Messiah. It's all about the Antichrist. Satan, I'm telling you what, he's losing ground, but he knows that his time is short, and he's on the warpath. Evil has become unhinged. Evil is on the loose. Churches are being attacked. Christian schools are under attack. I'm proud of what we've done here at Horizon. I'm proud of what we have built here at Horizon. We have an outreach school that is changing the economy spiritually of this ground, of this community. It's changing lives. It's changing marriages. It's changing families. It's messing with Satan's strategy for the ranch and for North County, and he's not going to take it lying down. But we can't be fearful about that. Listen, cowards always send anonymous letters. They stir up all sorts of lies.
We're not to be afraid. We're not to back down. We're not to retreat. And fear will do that. It will cloud your vision and cause for what God has given you vision for to be accomplished, to be waiting in a holding pattern in the wings. The U is for unforgiveness. The U of fudge is unforgiveness. If you're going into this brand new year with, with, with still a, a heart that is harboring unforgiveness, it's going to cloud your vision of how God's wanting to work in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your business. You need to bring that to the communion table this morning and cash that in for the grace and the mercy and the freedom that the Lord would love to give you in exchange for unforgiveness. The D is for doubt. James speaks of doubt. James says, if you're going to go into this year with doubt, don't expect you to see God do anything in your life. You're going to be like that little rowboat on the ocean tossed to and fro by the waves. And that man should not expect the Lord to do anything in his life. For doubt clouds our vision. Fear, unforgiveness, doubt. You with me? You tracking? Greed. Greed will cloud your, I'm seeing it happen. I'm seeing it happen where, where, where good, godly-minded people are being blinded by greed in these last days. Greed, if, if you're, if you're, if you're going to go for greed, I'm just telling you, the vision that God has for you and the, what He's wanting to see accomplished in you and through you is going out the window. You can't serve both masters. And, and, the, and the E, the, the E. What do you want the E to stand for? Just fill it in, whatever you want. <laughs> Suggestions? Um, excuses. Excuses will cloud your vision this year. Evil will cloud your vision this year. Just write down evil. That's like the big junk drawer in case I missed anything in your life. <laughs> evil will take you out of the game. See, I think even right now in the service, God's shaking things up. I can stand before you right now as God is my witness and attest to you the fact that I know He's stirring my heart as He's stirring yours. He's always having to shake things up. He's shaking things up. He did so in the past. He's doing it again. Not in a bad way. In a freeing way. That truck out front has a double blessing attached to it. Not just at the end of the root of that truck blessing a lot of people at the rescue mission. It frees you up from a lot of clutter. It frees you up from a lot of unnecessary weight in your life. He's shaking things up. Every great awakening, and I'm believing God for one in this brand new decade. Every great awakening required some bit of shaking. Some bit of sorting, some bit of separating. There's a, there's a separating that's going to take place at the end of the age. The wheat from the chaff, the sheep from the goats, the fruit from the fake. A sorting, a separating. In Matthew chapter 3, the Bible refers to the ministry of John the Baptist as a winnowing fan. It's winnowing the, the chaff away. It is blowing the harvest that is coming. And we've looked in other end times messages of the harvest that is coming. And it's not just one harvest, it's multiple harvests of a barley harvest that comes first and a wheat harvest that follows and a great harvest. That, that's already begun. The sorting has already begun. The separating has already begun. There used to be a popular recipe for a lot of us that are kind of around the same age. Do you remember shake and bake? <laughs> Maybe better this morning it would be shake or bake. Which do you want to... And the bake is not what you want. That's hell. Hell's hot and forever's a long time. You want to avoid that. So allow the shaking. Allow the sorting. Allow the pruning. Allow the Lord to just speak through failure. Things that you've done wrong that I've done wrong. I've done multiple things wrong in my life. I've learned more from that. Read Jesus' calling this morning. Absolutely incredible devotion that I read every morning. And today just nails it in terms of how the Lord raises up those who are willing to admit their failures and their mistakes. Get out of the fudge and into some clarity. 
that allows the shaking to produce a greater harvest. In fact, you know, I think the sorting is where we're headed. I think the separating and the sorting is where we're headed. The next thing that's going to happen prophetically on the clock, and I'll talk about it next weekend in part two if we're still here, is the rapture. And groups, groups, plural, some of us think it's just one group, groups, and I'll mention the groups, who will miss out on the rapture. And I think the rapture is actually a reward for faithfulness. That not everyone will receive. You might not want to miss next weekend as we look at that together. So before any great harvest, and I'm trying to speak really, really fast because there's another text and another passage in Scripture that I want to leave time for, and it's extensive, but I just want to, I want to speak it over your life. It's so prophetic. But before there was any harvest that ever took place, there needed to be a sorting, there needed to be a shaking. Even in the preparation of the field as a farmer, you would have to go through and till the rocks and get rid of the weeds. And, and, and the most famous of all parables that Jesus gives to us is about the parable of the sower and getting rid of the weeds and getting rid of the rocks and getting rid of the cares of this world. See, that's the greedy monster that wants to somehow convince you that it can all just co mingle in the same field and produce the same fruit, and it cannot. It cannot. In, 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 in my garden, in my yard, I have grubs. Anyone else have grubs? Talk about an ungodly little thing. It's, it's, uh, and the, the thing that, so feel free to email me on this particular issue if you have any solution for grubs, because you know who loves grubs? Skunks. And I've had it with skunks. So is my wife. And you have to get rid of the grubs. You want a healthy yard. You want a healthy lawn. It, 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 the grubs attract the gophers, and, the, and they tear up the lawn, and the grubs attract the skunks. And, and ultimately, there needs to be a, a, a sorting out, a separating out of any great harvest, of any great awakening. You've got to get rid of the rocks. Get rid of the weeds, get rid of the grubs so that the soil of the field, and that's our hearts. We're talking about our hearts, not my lawn. <laughs> How do you get rid of the grubs in your heart that attract skunks? So that the aroma that you give off has nothing whatsoever to do with Christ, but skunkish. So that the field, of the soil of our heart, the intentions of our heart, the pursuits and desires of our heart for this coming year, for this coming blank slate would not be filled with cynicism, that's grubs, or negativity, that's grubs, or or, or, or somehow to lukewarmness. I mean, Jesus writes a letter at the end of the age and warns the church against becoming lukewarm, just settling in. You want good soil in your heart. The Word of God can take root and, and bear fruit. You need sunlight as your disinfectant. Sunlight, S-O-N, the, the light of the sun in your life and the nutrients of what we gather around His Word together this morning and this table to receive. And I believe this, in faith, I believe that there will be healing this morning as we celebrate communion. I read an amazing quote yesterday that said, if the angels are envious of men at all, they are most envious of this, communion. That's a fascinating thought. If the angels are envious of men at all, they are most envious of this, communion. I believe healing of vision, healing of spiritual vision will happen in this room this morning as we celebrate communion. That cynicism and negativity and, and, and believing the worst and, 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 and gossip would just, be, would, would just be snuffed out 
and the good soil of the, of the sunlight of, 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 God's, of God's Word and, the, and, and, and new life. By new life, I mean fruit. I mean, I mean new gifts. I had a horrible letter that came to me. And the anonymous ones, fine. Just... But then when someone writes you and you know who they are and they, and they say, Pastor, our, our marriage is over. Our marriage is shot. My heart as a shepherd just sinks to an all-time low when I get a letter like that. And they're like, well, we just, you know, we're just looking for love. And joy. And peace. And I'm like, okay, here's what's fascinating about your marriage. I haven't seen you in church in a long time. And what you're looking for, you're looking for love. Here's a great song title, In All the Wrong Places. (laughs) Because love has a name. God is love. And you want in your life, as everyone wants in their life, love. But maybe this generation has you looking for love in all the wrong places. Would you please, with me as families, determine in your life that before you open Instagram, you would open His Word to what He has to say to you instead of how the world wants to shape you. Well, we just need joy. I'm reading what you're saying and showing you that it's found as the very fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You're looking for all of these things and it is found in Jesus. The good soil of the new fruit being flown into your life through his presence and through his joy and it comes through humility. It comes through us just dying to our flesh. And rising again to this brand new age and this brand new year and this brand new month and this brand new decade with unstoppable hope, you guys, for our kids. That's the spoken word. That is a fire of faith that needs to just inflame us, inflame us in worship. He's shaking things up, a shake-up, an awakening of faith, a shake-up, an awakening of finances where, you're, where the priority of your finances are concerned, where service is concerned, where love is concerned, where, where worship is concerned. Because I, I'm convinced of this. The greatest dilemma where vision is concerned, the greatest dilemma where vision is concerned is what's real? Because you're looking at stuff in this society, you're looking at stuff in this culture, and you're asking yourself the same thing I, is it real what I'm looking at on the cover of this magazine? Is it real what I'm looking at, the snapshot of an Instagram post and how many posts were deleted before this post was posted? How real is this pumped up plastic age that we're living in? What's real anymore? And there's just too many watered down preachers and people pleasing preachers for people, bless your heart, to come in and find truth of what's real. I mean, teaching sound doctrine is on the verge of becoming extinct. And I'm giving you permission to hold me accountable this year. It's got to be his word and his word alone and not my opinion. Who cares? Or my latest fun story. It's getting so hard to find honesty and integrity in a world that is so pumped up with make-believe. And I'll tell you what, the enemy is picking off the ones who don't know what they believe. They just don't know what they believe. You know, is it the tooth fairy or the Easter bunny or is it Santa or is it Buddha? Is it yoga? Is it Krishna? It's Jesus! It's Jesus and the rapture is right around the bend. It is right around the corner and not everyone's going. It's a reward for your faithfulness that you are spared from the wrath that is to come. You're going out of this planet either one of two ways. You'll either rapture or rupture. (laughs) Something's gonna rupture unless we're raptured. And I think what we have to do is get back to the book, get back into fellowship small groups, men's studies, women's studies, home fellowships, prayer times. Because the enemy's picking off the ones who don't know what they believe. Or, Or maybe even more, he's picking off the ones who don't know why they believe it. This book is inerrant, you guys. These 66 books are the inerrant, inspired, God breathed, God's 
will, everyone wants to know God's will. In 2020, what's God's will for? God's word is God's will. What he says is what he means. It doesn't need revised. You need to dig into it. More than, and your phone will tell you how much time you're spending on on social media and this and chasing after that rabbit down the field and all and all and all and all. Make this your priority and let it correct and let it reprove and let it encourage and let it exhort. Because I'm telling you, the culture of California, the People's Republic, is counting on you not knowing the truth this year. So they can squeeze you educationally, societally into their own mold that they could, they could cause for you, as is the case in every shopping mall. You know why I think Horton Plaza went out of business? My theory, there was a clock in the middle of Horton Plaza. There is no clock in any successful mall. They want you to lose track of time. Well, what time is it? It's late. It is super late and way too late for you to be losing track of time. Because what you hold open on your lap this morning ends all debate. It answers all questions. And you have an entire culture and society. Please, your apologies, you have an entire... Two graphic... You have an entire society around you, at the beach, at the mall, at the bank, that's just, for the most part, saying WTF, and you should be saying WTL to their WTF. And WTL is he is the way, and he is the truth, and he is the life, and that matters most to you and can't just be blown off. No one comes to the Father except through me. And here's the scary thing of all that I'm trying to just convey into your heart at the beginning of this brand new year is this very solemn, sobering fact that where there is no vision, come on, what? What? The people perish. We have to be the bearers of vision and not the ones who have begun with the sharing of good news, but have now given into greed have now given into fear, have now given into justifiable unforgiveness, who have now given into excuses and evil. No, 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 no. No, where there is no vision, people die and, and, and are separated, I mean, sorted and separated and eternally removed from the presence of the Lord forever. So as you take this bread and, and this cup... I pray you'd receive vision this morning, vision for the Word of God being your compass and your nav and your focus and your priority as you go into this year, and not just His Word, but worship. Let me just say for a, 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 a quick moment, listen, worship isn't singing, <laughs> and worship isn't filler. Well, it's okay. You know, we can pull in late. It's all right because, you know, the service really hasn't even started yet. Lie from hell. Lie from hell. And that's why we put in windows. We can watch you walk in late. <laughs> worship isn't worship until worship is warfare. Who was put in front every time Israel went into war? The worshipers. Whether the war was against some huge wall, so high, so thick, so intimidating, I mean so thick, they told us when we were there last that the, the, the top of the wall of Jericho is where they would have the chariot races. That's pretty wide wall to do chariot races on top of the wall. But what went into the war first? What led? Worshippers led because worship is warfare. It's taking ground. I think that's why the devil loves to convince you that you don't need to be here for it because ultimately worship is surrender and some of you never have this posture of just relinquishing resignation 
that it isn't about you, it's about him, and just turning it all over to him and forfeiting your plans for his plans. It's capitulation, church. And it isn't just sort of like a North County, okay. It's I, it's not, do I like this song or don't I? It's like, are you, are, are you receiving my worship? You're so worthy of my praise and my worship. You see, we learned in, 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 in First and Second Thessalonians that at the end of the age, there will be a great falling away. And let me just say that's true. And there needs to be a great falling away in all of our lives. The tragic thing is what Thessalonians is speaking of is that there will be a great falling away of the faith in the last days. A lukewarm, watered-down approach to worship and the teaching of the Word of God. A falling away of faith. I think the falling away that needs to occur so that there isn't a falling away of faith is a falling away of our flesh. A falling away of our flesh and just coming back to the truth and only truth of the one and only living and powerful inspired book that God has given you as a lamp unto your feet and as a light unto your path. That shakes, you guys, in a very good way, like those, those tree shakers that come into Bakersfield and come into Fresno and they just grab the tree and they shake it, that all the almonds would drop, that all the peaches would drop, that all the apples would drop. And the Lord's just wanting to see the fruit in your life abundant. And so let Him shake. Let Him shake the things that shouldn't be there as we go into this brand new year. Let there be a submission. Let there be a forfeiting of our own plans and desires. Let there be a death of our flesh and a desire to see His love lived out in all that we live for. And so let me just ask for you to turn with me to a passage. And, and, and it's the most prophetic passage that I could possibly give you. Certainly this isn't your typical end times prophecy update. But I hope it's helpful. I believe that it is. Turn to Deuteronomy 32. Here's what's fascinating about 2020. That's the year on the Gregorian calendar that we all follow. On the Jewish calendar, it's actually the year 5780. So they also have turned the leaf into a new decade. They've left the 70s. Remember the 70s? They've left the 5770s. They're now 5780. 5780 is the new year on the Jewish calendar. Here's what's pretty fascinating. It doesn't always line up this way. There's a perfect convergence between the Gregorian calendar, 2020, and the Jewish calendar, 5780. How is that, Bob? We'll do the math. 5 plus 7 plus 8 plus 0 equals what? Public school students? 20. That's 2020 vision on both calendars. It's the year 5780. Now I believe the Lord speaks to us through both of those numbers, especially during prophetic years as I believe 2020 to be. But that they both now converge and line up 5780 equals 20. And the 80th verse in Scripture, we just looked at it in the Christmas Backstory series. The 80th verse, if you just start at verse 1 and you go up to the 80th verse, you land on that verse that we taught on where the cherubim, the cherubim in the book of Genesis is stationed at the entrance of the garden. The cherubim has a sword that turns. The cherubim we know when you get to Isaiah chapter 6, has multiple faces, on the front and on the back and on the sides, and the cherubim continually, repeatedly says one word. What is it? Holy, holy, holy. That's prophetic. That whether or not you're looking forward, He's holy. Or whether or not you're looking backwards, He's holy. Whether you're looking side to side, He's holy in the 80th verse. The verse that represents that cherubim that is stationed, that was also that cherubim was on the veil, was on the curtain in the temple, the veil that was torn in two. The angel that was prohibiting access has been removed by the accomplishments of the Lord Jesus Christ 
on the day in which he took our place on the cross. If you took the time, as I did this week, to find the 5,780th verse in Scripture, that took a while. Genesis has 1,533 verses, and Exodus has 1,213 verses, and Leviticus has 859 verses. Numbers has 1,289 verses. Deuteronomy has 959. You get to Deuteronomy chapter 32. And here you find the 5,780th verse in Scripture. Deuteronomy 32. Here's what's fascinating. This passage in Deuteronomy, please listen, 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 listen. Don't miss this. This passage now lining up as the 5,780th verse in Scripture for this, the 5,780th year, which perfectly converges with the Gregorian calendar 2020, is the moment in Deuteronomy where Moses prophetically speaks over the people before they leave the wilderness and enter into the promised land. Now, we're about to do that. We're about to embark on that journey. It could happen any moment. And the way things are stacking up politically on the world stage with Iran, with Turkey, with Israel, with a brand new natural gas pipeline off of Haifa, with Libya, who hasn't been in the news for a good decade, now re-emerging into the news. With all of these lines, I'm just telling you, we are about to embark on the same journey where we leave the wilderness of this world, the wilderness of this land, the wilderness of this earth, and enter into the promised land. And Moses speaks, and I'm going to read it to you. And I need you just to bear with me. Because it's lengthy, but it's good and it's rich and it's God's word and I pray that you would just receive it this morning as he speaks this over the people look what he says then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel the words of this song until they were ended give ear O heavens and I will speak and hear O earth the words of my mouth let my teaching drop as the rain and my speech distill as the dew as raindrops on the tender herb and as showers on the grass, for I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is He. Hallelujah. Moses the end of his journey, he's 120 years old, speaks this over the people that are about to cross over and embark on this new land. He's not going in with them. He'll go in later. But he says, look to the Lord. You guys, look to the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. He's the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are justice. He's a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Why does he say that? Why so strong right out of the gate? Look at verse 5. Because they've corrupted themselves. And they're not his children. Because of their blemish, a perverse and a crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord? O foolish and unwise people. Is he not your father who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of old and consider the years of many generations. Ask your dad. He'll show you. Ask the elders and they will tell you when the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations and separated the sons of Adam and set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people and Jacob is the place of his inheritance. And he found him in a desert land, in a wasteland, in a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, spreading out its wings and taking them up and carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led him 
And there was no foreign God with him. He made him ride in all the heights of the earth that he might eat the produce of the field and draw honey from a rock and oil from a flinty rock and curds from the cattle and milk from the flock and fat of lambs and rams of the breed and bashan and goats and choicest weed and, and wine. You drank wine, the blood of the grapes. But Jeshurun grew fat. You took it all for granted. You took it all for granted. You grew fat and you kicked. You grew fat and you grew thick. You're obese. You forsook God who made him. You grew fat, man. You ate fudge. <laughs> you provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. And sacrifice to demons, not to God. What's the number one cause of death in the world last year? The number one cause of death? Abortion. You've sacrificed to demons and not to God, to gods who you do not know, to new gods, new arrivals, new gods, new arrivals that your fathers didn't know. And of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. And when the Lord saw it, he spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. That verse is the 5,780th verse in Scripture. You're like, what a downer, Bob. What a low point. It's going to end really well. Don't lose me now. But you're right. It's a low point right now. In fact, when is the lowest of the lowest of the low points where God spurns his very own people, his chosen people, when does God spurn Israel more than any other time in Scripture? You know when? The rapture. For to not know Him is to be left behind. And He says in verse 20, I will hide my face from them and, and, and I will see what their end will be for they are a perverse generation, children in whom there is no faith. They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols and I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. This is the great tribulation. This passage here is speaking. I mean, listen, listen to what Moses, they are about to rejoice and celebrate crossing over the Jordan into the promised land. And he's giving them, he's giving them a prophecy in times update of what's not happening to them there, but what will come to them in the end. For a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn to the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with its increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains and I will heap disasters on them and I will spend my arrows on them. And they shall be wasted with hunger and devoured by pestilence and bitter destruction and I will send against them the teeth of beasts with the poison of serpents of the dust. The sword shall destroy outside. And there shall be terror within for the young man and the virgin and the nursing child and the men of gray hairs. And, 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 I, and I would have said I would dash them into pieces and I would make a memory of them to cease from among men had I not feared the wrath of the enemy lest their adversaries should misunderstand, lest they should say, our hand is high. It is not the Lord who has done all of this. For they are a nation void of counsel nor is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. What a verse for 2020. How could one chase a thousand or put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? For their rock is not like our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges, for their vine is the vine of Sodom, and their fields of Gomorrah, their grapes are grapes of gall, 
and their clusters are bitter and their wine is the poison of serpents and the cruel venom of cobras. Is this not laid up in store with me, sealed up among my treasures? Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them, for the Lord will judge his people. Have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and that there is no one remaining bond or free, and he will say, where are their gods Where is the rock in which they sought refuge? Who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering? Let them rise up and help you and be your refuge. Now see that I, now see, vision, vision, 2020, see that I, even I am he and there is no God besides me. Here's where it gets better, church. Here's where it gets good. God declares, I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there anyone who can deliver them from my hand. I I will rise my hand to heaven and I will say, as I live forever. Can you just imagine that? There's God. God's lifting up his hand and swearing an oath. He's saying, as I live forever, if I wet my glittering sword, my hand takes hold of judgment. I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain of the captives for the heads of the leaders of the enemy. Rejoice, O Gentiles. Hello, that's you. That's, that's me. That's us. Now look what he says, verse 43. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people for he will avenge the blood of his servants he will render vengeance to his adversaries and he will provide atonement for his land and his people he will take our place he will fight our battles he will win our war he will provide our atonement church that's communion he will suffer the pain and the cost of our debt and he will set us free rejoice O Gentiles he will provide atonement for his land and his people and so and so Moses look how it ends came with Joshua the son of Nun and he spoke all these words of this song in the hearing of the people and he finished speaking these words to all of Israel and he said to them set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law for it is not a futile thing for you because it is your life and by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess Lord, may that happen even now as we celebrate communion. May it be a a, a moment in time where we cross over. We leave the junk in the trunk. We leave the fudge behind. We leave the compromise in the rearview mirror and we cross over faithfully and receive all that you have accomplished for us in taking our place and being our atoning sacrifice Would you, Lord, bless each heart that receives this bread that represents your body? Lord, would you bless each heart and cleanse from within? Wash us white as snow by your precious blood. And may we devote and commit this brand new year to your praise and to your honor and to your glory, both now and forever in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen, church. Once we've all received, we'll partake of communion together. Thanks for joining the Horizon Church podcast with Pastor Bob. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel. And if this message has blessed you, please share it either directly or on social media. 
If you live in the San Diego area, we'd love to have you join us at a weekend service or to catch our live stream, visit horizon.org slash live every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time.